welcome back guys to another episode of Digital Artcast. Um, this one's been long overdue because uh, yeah, trying to arrange between myself and the guest has been a logistical nightmare, not to mention that um, yeah, it's been over a month since my last episode and uh, that needs to really get fixed, which is interesting because I'm interviewing about three or four people in July, so yeah, I'll just need to space those out so I've got content. But uh, yeah, today we have um, a friend of mine um, from... Um, the other side of the world, Conrad Allen. Uh, nice to meet you and speak to you finally on the podcast. Uh, thanks yeah, for thanks. Thanks it's good to be here. Welcome, welcome. Um, so yeah, so we had an interesting first encounter. Um, <coughs> I actually believe we had an argument um, over <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> well, what was that about? Ah, oh, shit. I think. Oh god, I think it was about me being vegan. I can't remember. Was yeah, it? I think it. I think it might have been a vegan post. Here, I'll see if yeah. I can find it. Yeah, because that was. I mean, was that last year sometime? It would have been something close to that. Um, yeah, or like very start of this year. I think it was like it was like some kind of politically um, uh, angled viewpoint that you had, and I was like, no, it's it's not quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to, how can you, can you, can you view like specific posts from people, like from specific friends? I'm trying to wonder can, how you would do that. You can go to your profile page and you can go to the dots and go to like see, see friendship and your like cover photo on the right side, but uh, it's just, it's not showing me anything. It's just showing me one thing. Yeah. I, I can never mind what it actually was about, but, uh, cause it was on like another artist post and then I was like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? Who's this asshole? So <laughs> <laughs> that might be why it's not showing up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That but... was, I thought that was pretty good actually, because, um, I like, I think the, the initial response when you see someone like, attacking you on, on, on the internet or like, yeah. criticizing you is to be like, whoa, who is this flaming retard? Yeah. Um, but, but then, uh, like, my, at least my take from it was, like, I actually had some respect for, for who I was talking to on that, which yeah. was quite um, uh, fresh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, people can, I mean, people can disagree in this industry. It's no a thing where you've got to, like, sugarcoat everything you say. I mean, no, everybody agrees about everything, so... Um, yeah, you, you can't be afraid to speak your opinion. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah I, I feel like um, the problem is at the moment, people are like uh, coming more and more towards like the center fence sitting thing where they're like, oh, it's okay. Yes, you might be right. But mm. really, like, it's not always the case. Uh, yeah. And, and there are only a few people out there that really stand by like their, their extreme version of, of, the, their viewpoint if they really believe that they're right yeah um and uh yeah it's it's just something that is like the, as we go forwards like the internet seems to be creating this like I, I don't know either either you have the extreme view and everyone just fights yeah or people are like way too politically correct yeah, yeah, yeah. no it's, it's it, it goes in extremes right like we were just talking about the weather but like it's the same thing where it's either one way or another. There's no in between. I mean, I mean, I'm listening to Joe Rogan occasionally, and uh, and sure, like I didn't agree with everything the guy says, but he did have a valid point of like he was talking about fence sitting and saying that you know you can in an essence live your life taking you know things from both parties. Like it used to be a thing where, especially the voting system in America, that was like a two-party race where you would either be left or right, and he was saying yeah. why not you know try and take 
advice from both sides and, and form your own opinion. You don't always have to be like, you know, everything Trump says is, I mean, Trump is an idiot. But like, I suppose <laughs> in, a, in some sense, he has got some things that, that make kind of sense. And then obviously, like yeah. with Hillary, obviously people are saying, you know, the, the positivities. But then she has also got a sketchy background. So it was like, yeah, there is some things I will agree with her on. But then there's other things. Like, obviously, the thing people kept talking about was the, the fact she wasn't for gay marriage until 2016 or something like that. But like, yeah, there was... There was good and bads to everybody so nothing is like completely one or zero there's always a a gray area where you can form your own opinion of what you actually think so um yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah it, 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 it's it was an interesting conversation but yeah then obviously like I, I cooled off and i was like hey man sorry for being a dick and you're like oh it's all good so um yeah that quickly <laughs> sorted itself um and then i found out you were like a map painter i was like oh holy shit he's an industry guy this is cool um yeah and then i think since we were friends then you you kind of linked to the Matt Paint Academy, which you've set up, which, you know, we'll talk about a bit later, but, um, yeah, I got into that now, and then that's basically what I'm trying to do, um, for work, so, yeah, it's, it's probably worked out, um, in, 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 in my favour, and they always say there's a, there's a saying, um, what is it, when this, the student is ready, the master will appear, so it's like, that, yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten that, that really, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's like, what was that from again, shit, I'm sure it's an actual move, where somebody gets trained Possibly, yeah. oh fuck I'm sure I was just watching it like the other day um, oh that's what it was it was the it was Zorro it was the first Zorro film with uh, right. Anthony Hopkins and Antonio Banderas and like Antonio Banderas is yeah. a drunken shit and he's trying to fight the soldier and he's like yeah you know when the, the student ready the master will appear and they teach him to be Zorro but um, you know what I think I think that's like a, a convenient uh, uh, coincidence sort of thing where yeah uh, like I don't, I don't think that. I think that that gets fit into the story that people tell, rather than the other way around, which yeah. should be like. Because w- the point is really that once you're good enough, mm-hmm. somebody will recognise that. Well, and yeah, I mean, totally. It's, yeah, as the way people understand that when somebody says, "I'm lucky to have this job," it's not really luck, dude. Luck for me is just preparedness meets opportunity. So you were at a level you could do a job and somebody offered you an opportunity, then you took it. That was, wasn't really exactly. luck. It was just the opportunity to meet circumstance. So yeah, it's a total thing. So it's, yeah. it's the way of this. And then obviously the networking you do helps. I mean, I, I definitely know the work I got from Nick with Red Essence Games. That was literally just, you know, me messaging Nick, look, do you need any mm-hmm. help on the game? He was like, yeah, man, we're looking for an artist. You want to come on and help us? And then that was it. So, I mean, it's, it, yeah. it, it, it's just how it happens. Um, so yeah, so I mean, like, just a background, um, because I mean, like, I don't think I've even really spoke too much about where you had came from, but we did want to talk about your journey because there was an interesting point where you talked about how you finished, um, I'm, I'm kind of ad-libbing this, but you finished university and then you said you kind of took more time than you felt you needed to get in the industry. It was a couple of years. Um, so yeah, walk me through Conrad at university or even just from Conrad from the start and where your art side came from and then what you decided you want to do map painting kind of where you are to now uh, well yeah okay so it had helped to know like my personality i i went through school hating school uh, loving loving computer games and i yes. like i remember my my grade 10 was literally just warcraft 3 just playing oh, like, as much as possible as i like, wrote a 200 word review when i was like 13 of warcraft 3. <laughs> i was so obsessed with it it was it was great and uh so so that was 
uh, my schooling years. And when I left, I was just like, I don't want to go to uni. I don't want to learn anything. Like I just super was not ready. And I just said to my parents, I'm just taking a year off. Mm. And uh, I, I just had the plans to like, just play games. And I was just so like against the system. Yeah. And uh, then I, uh, I did, you know, I picked up some work. Uh, yeah. I then joined the army, res- the reserves and, um, and I started like, I was still super into my competitive gaming. Like I started a group and I started commentating. Uh, then at some point I sort of, I'd started a little bit of structure modeling uh, for some architects cool. and I, I sort of reached a wall with my skills there. And I was like, well, I'm not going to earn any more than a couple like 20 bucks an hour. Mm. Uh, so I went to a careers advisor who then uh, with the help of my mom, my sister, all of us in there doing like different questionnaires, uh, mm. they came up and the guy was like, okay, I think you should go over here to this um, uh, interactive entertainment university. Uh, there's, you know, games uni. And I went there and I immediately fell in love, started the uh, degree there, which was uh, a two year, it was a three year degree compacted into two years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was where I really started to shine. Cause I was, you know, it was learning how to make games. It's like, I need yeah. to make games. Uh, yeah. there were 300 people that started in my intake Oh shit. and I think only about 60 of them actually graduated. Wow. Um, and they warned us up, up front. They said, we have a two out of three dropout rate. Yeah. Um, and that was partly because it's not what people think and partly because it was a compacted course and it was like a lot of work uh, in a much shorter amount of time. So, and actually out of those 60 that graduated, I, I think I know of like three others, maybe four others who have actually made it in the industry. Um, And I don't know of any of them that have made it into the film industry, but I don't think like it was a games degree. So yeah, probably not interested in the film industry well it's the same across here like it's i think it's something like 95 well sorry of the people who graduate art degrees 95 percent of them don't go into work five percent do so it's a super small percentage compared to other courses like engineering where the placement rate is super high yeah exactly um so i uh i got some freelance work out uh like while I was studying, I got some freelance work. I deferred my degree because I had to go to, uh, I got invited to SIGGRAPH uh, and then I went to Singapore for some freelance work. Oh, wow. and, and this and this was the thing is that during my degree, I was still trying to, like I was, I was trying to get work, actual work in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, which I think sort of separated me from everyone else because yeah. the other people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this degree. Once I've done the degree, I'm going to get work. Mm. That's but that's when the jobs come is after I've got the degree, I've got the piece of paper, and everyone goes, uh, yeah. okay, so who's who's got the ticket? Okay, come in here. It mm. and it just especially in in the uh, arts industry, it doesn't work like that. Totally. Uh, so I got that work, and then after after that initial work, I was living with my parents, and I think part of that. Uh, that fact that I was living with my parents, that meant that I could really sit back and just dick around. Yeah. And, and that was my, that was my downfall. If I'm not sure 
if I'd be here, if I didn't have the support of my parents, because I would have had to have just found a different job and it would oh, be really tough. You're speaking my fucking language right now, by the way. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, I'm in the exact same boat as you. Like, it's yeah. unreal. Yeah. So that, um, so, but that, that meant that I was able to really sit back and just not do anything. So I, like a lot of my days I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'll start like, <laughs> I'll start doing it. And then after about two hours, because you, you hit these, you hit these little blocks where you're like, ah, oh, I'm just not, not getting there. And then you give up yeah. and you, and you think, oh, what can I do to like, reward my brain because it's, it's painful to to feel those blockages and fail oh, so God, my brain's yeah. like okay let's go and do something fun which is mm-hmm. gaming oh, uh, yeah. when you're a gamer mm. so so that's what i would do and and then because time just disappears into that void of of games oh, uh, yeah. all of a sudden it's 6 p.m oh, uh, now yeah. that's it that said <laughs> um that's it. When when I had a freelance job coming, because I was still like I had my website, I had uh, some a little bit of networking, and I'd look on job boards. I had like five or six that I would check every day, yeah, uh, and email. And you know, I would email, I would email 10, 10 jobs and get one reply. And right. out of every one reply, I might uh, sorry, out of every ten replies, I might get one job. So right. that's like a hundred to one hit rate. Mm. Uh, and uh, so that's tough. But when I did get the jobs, then it was a total flip. Like it's, I, I wake up and I'm like, okay, awesome. I want to work. I want to like the first job that I got doing these uh, like architectural uh, parks where I got to like create vegetation and use the like the height maps that they had had for their landscaping uh, model. Mm-hmm. And I created this, uh, what the park might look like. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up, like naturally waking up at like 5.30 in the morning because my brain was so excited and so wired to actually start working and check the renders that I had from the night before. Yeah. Uh, and I'd gone to bed at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning and I just got like four hours sleep and I was just ge- geared to go. Yeah. Um, of course, that, that, that wears off over time, but I was mm. still, I was still keen to, uh, to 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 get into it when I had jobs come in. The problem was that they were so far in between that 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 void in between I didn't use um, I didn't use it to really upskill. And one of the biggest things was that like I've I can't draw, right? I can't paint. Mm-hmm. I can't do anything like that. Yeah. I uh, which is why I gravitated toward view, which is like Terrigen. Uh, they're th- like 3D, so um, 3D environment softwares. Yep. Uh, and that was because I couldn't do the painting site, and I'd really try and push the the 3D to like that 95th percentile, like like almost there. Mm-hmm. And I would avoid Photoshop like the plague because. Right. And you know, I I internalized it like, oh, if you're photoshopping it, then you're cheating because you're not actually doing it the purest way. Yeah. Um, which is which is funny because right now I do most of my work in Photoshop, and yeah. I feel almost the opposite. Where I feel like, oh, you're doing 3D, and it's like, it's not <laughs> it's not the purest way. Nothing is <laughs> cheating. Everything is a final result. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So so the point was that uh, it took so. 
as a timeline, I finished, uh, I got my first job and I left uni in 2010. Mm -hmm. I got into the industry into the start of 2015. So that wow. was yeah. uh, like four and a half years later. Mm -hmm. And in, inside that uh, time, I, uh, I got a handful of jobs, you know, a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and I almost became a, uh, a travel consultant for Escape Travel. Uh, which is like a holiday um, flights, etc. Right. And I got so close, as in uh, it was up to me and one other person out of like a hundred people. Right. And because uh, I've got a lot of travel experience, but they chose the other uh, person because they had more recent uh, sales experience. Right. So they're like, okay, we'd really love you to reapply, but maybe go and get some sales experience and come back in six months. And there was like a six month, like you had to wait six months. All right. Um, so in that six months, I went back to the drawing board and then all of a sudden, like some opportunities and options came up. Mm -hmm. So it was literally that close. Wow. And it was 12 months after I, I was at um, uh, doing that interview for Escape Travel that I got into like, that was when the path really started to get into the industry. And that was 2015. And, and the immediate uh, actions that I took to, uh, to trigger that, that series of events was I uh, started doing a course that was not cheap uh, through es uh, Escape Studios, which is a UK online uh, outfit. I think they've also got a studio in, in England. Mm -hmm. And they, they teach all sorts of stuff. I took their uh, like in intro to nuke compositing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I figured like nuke was a, a uh, an industry tool mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's very difficult to, to to really get started with nuke because you need a lot of assets to to really do anything mm -hmm. um, and so i started doing that i did their first of three terms and i really loved it and and but then i found another option which was at rising sun in uh, south australia in adelaide uh, they're a VFX studio that worked on like um, X Men and um, other films. I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, and they have one that's in house. It's ten weeks, and it's just uh, it's like a VFX entrant course where you learn rotoscoping and three uh, D match moving. Mm -hmm. And those are two really common uh, junior positions to to gain in the industry to get your leg in mm -hmm. so the rotoscoping side is is cutting out characters from plates and cleaning up plates and mm -hmm. things like that matching yeah. the motion blur and um <clears throat> that's usually the pathway that you get into compositing mm -hmm. and you'll do that for like two years in the studio before you become a compositor yeah and uh the 3d side the 3d uh tracking is tracking the camera's uh, into 3D space for that have come from the set, right. and that's usually the pathway into like the modeling or layout or some something to do with the 3D side of the pipeline. Right. Uh, so I went there and I had I had two goals. One was that I had to be in the top two of uh, like or like, like the top 10 percent of the group that went through that that intake, uh, and I worked my butt off to to make sure there was one other guy who uh who had uh, a little bit of nuke 
skill prior to that as well and he was almost like we were sort of neck and neck in terms of speed and so i literally sat there next to him and i would like glance over to to what where he's up to and i'd make sure i'm like i have to be faster than him and (laughs) and like obviously not faster with sacrificing quality because that's there's no point in that yeah um but it really helped that I had that little bit of extra knowledge before that because it meant that during that course, because we were inside the studio, uh, the the artists there and the people running it, they obviously the, the point for them is that they're hiring these groups. Of, uh, sorry, not hiring. They're selling this course to groups of, of artists and they get to see them over 10 weeks. They get to see how they work how they take feedback, mm-hmm. how fast they learn, mm-hmm. whether they're good at it in general. Mm-hmm. And then if they need someone, they hire them. Yeah. You know, they, they, it's like, it's like a paid second source of income that they yeah. also get to choose the best candidates from. Yeah. Uh, so it's a brilliant model. They, and so my other goal during that time was to uh, like pick the brand of the map painters who were there. And this is what you were saying, like the when the students read the master appears. Well, that was that was my moment uh, in that that uh, the guy's name is uh, Damien Tala, and he was the the supervisor for the map painting team there. Right. And the, the it's a it's a tricky balance. You need to befriend them, but also not bother them because they're super busy. Yeah. Um, so you you kind of need to ride this line of of you know getting feedback but also remaining likable to that from from their point of view yeah um so luckily i rode that line they then hired me um they didn't hire me straight away they actually i was on my way back to uh to brisbane where i was living and i was driving back up via sydney and melbourne and talking to other studios and had another offer at another studio and but it wasn't for an environment's position and so i called rising sun and i'm like oh i've been offered a position and and they're like oh congratulations and they called me back like an hour later and they're like have you taken the job yet and uh i was like no and they're like can you come back to adelaide (laughs) and i just (laughs) i literally just driven like 10 hours to melbourne from adelaide and they're like oh, can you come back to Adelaide for an environment position for nine weeks? And of oh. course I was going to say yes. Yeah. Um, but the point is uh, that the the way in that route was not, it was, wasn't was like, I've done the course now, here come the jobs. Right. Um, and uh, it's, it, it is still difficult. And I guess because my... Uh, my base skill set is not uh, very artistic. I work with a bunch of, of uh, map painters at the moment who are all amazing painters, and I'm here like fucking stick fi- stick figures with, you know, my hand fist. I feel like a caveman. Next to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, we 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 are on equal. Uh, skill levels. Uh, oh, technically, I'm the senior in the group, and uh, the the rest are all mids and juniors. But, but in terms of uh, the artistic, like no one, no one's really like looking at me, going, "Oh, you can't paint and you can't draw." So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and I like I find uh, as we were saying before we started recording, um, the 
a lot of a lot of the really prevalent people in this industry are you know like Max Bermans and mm. Dylan Cole and Raphael Lacoste, and they're all just phenomenal two D artists or phenomenal artists in in their own right, area. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I, I I don't know if that's a true representation of the industry core. Yeah. Uh, I think a, a, like a lot of the people in there are good artists, but the like the people like me, I I don't post any work because I, I don't do any of my personal work because I'm too freaking busy. Yeah. But the only work that I do post is every now and then when I've got the time to find a shot that I've done on a previous film and I'll post it. Right. But I'm not really engaging with the community outside of of map paint. Yeah. Uh, and and so you just don't hear about these people, and it's because the people who are like the super two D artists that can just sit down there and just like paint something amazing, yeah. uh, they they're the ones that are getting seen. Yeah, yeah, and that's and <sighs> that's uh, I know it's been a while since I talked, but yeah, I was, I, was, I was trying to let you get it all out, but no, I mean, it's very accurate what you're saying, and I think that can almost be not to the detriment of the artists we're talking about, because obviously everybody you mentioned is phenomenally talented and, and crazy inspiring. Um, but it can be intimidating when you're leaving university, you're a student, you don't know anybody, you've never been to events, you don't really know people, um, and your skill level is, you know, at that time, you know, shit. Because, you know, you're, you're a student, you're still learning, you've just came out of university, you're, you know, compared to the industry standards, you have a lot to catch up to do. And when you look at people like Max, or even like Dylan Cole, I mean, Fuck me. I mean, I, I actually didn't know about Dylan Cole till Ian told me about him. Mm. And um, and holy shit, like... I mean, there's, if you doesn't know who Dylan Cole is, go and look up his artwork online. He's a map painter, but... Oh my god. Like, how and why? I would love to see his process. But, yeah, that can be super intimidating. Like, even for me, somebody who has been, you know, in and out at industry events, knows people, um, has run the podcast, has done a bit of artwork... Um, yeah, it's it's scary because you're like, where do I begin? And I think, you know, I, this was a couple of years ago at Industry Workshop 2016. I went to see a talk with Titus Lunter and he talked about the process of sharing information and how that will help people and bring up the next generation because when you demystify the, the process, then it makes it easier and more uh, or less complex sorry, for people to then follow behind yep. you and then you're not having to give up information all the time through private messages if you run a course or two then people understand and you can show them where to go um but yeah and especially for me like i mean i, I try as much as i can to be drawn um every other day and, and and looking at some you know paint tutorials and trying to figure out how to do certain things but um yeah i've just never really painted or drawn as much as i felt i should have and um and yeah it's it's interesting when you meet people in this industry who hand you a sketchbook and you're like oh my god like how is this person functioning they must be drawn <laughs> every minute of every day you know and and it's interesting because i think you know i have met people who you know um i'll probably not name names because i don't know if that's like a thing they'd want to know but like i have met people who are working in an industry um one of them from massive um studio at the moment and he was like yeah man i'm lucky if i work four hours a day like you know i know i should be working more but like I feel I get enough done in the time I'm sitting at my desk that I don't have to be killing myself. Um, yeah. And I think it's always the thing he talked about, which was work smart, not hard, right? So 
you know, people can work an eight-hour day, but how much of that is actually productive? I mean, oh, yeah. I'm 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 a potato until about ten thirty in the morning, <laughs> and and I'll I, like everyone in my team knows it, and so yeah. I I don't I don't even bother doing anything that's artistic until then, right? And then I'm only good until about four thirty. Uh, in the afternoon right so there is like a five five hour window uh, there but but outside those hours i'll focus on on different things like i might i might try and do uh technical stuff in the morning if right. i've got something like quite often there's not so you've got to be adaptable right uh but uh and then say in that period when when you're feeling really inspired you try and just explore as many ideas as you can and not focus on all the little nitty-gritty details because Mm. those sorts of things like fixing up your little black values or your little alpha edges Mm. uh, those things you can do with your headphones on watching a movie on a second screen just like for hours you you can just tweak these things and and clean clean stuff up it's like it's it's meditative work but right uh the the artistic stuff when when you're starting to flow Mm -hmm. um that's that's when you just got to like jump on it and i totally agree with the whole work work smart not hard but unfortunately if you're looking at a full-time job in the industry Mm -hmm. uh you're gonna be there from nine till six like industry doesn't do nine till five they do nine till six and you get an unpaid lunch hour yeah so and then you've got you add on like you gotta add on the ot hour Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that um yeah. but it's it's not ideal especially from uh from my point of view it's just uh, like i don't i'm not efficient the entire day well uh, but- that's interesting when you talk about that because i think this is something you get into definitely where you're working in i mean like for people who don't know you're working in animal instincts just now in, in, in canada um but then i had my stand in a uh, access last year and they're a similar studio they do vfx work mostly for um for video games um, and yeah, they they have an uh, an approach similar, but they actually work um, ten a.m. till six p.m. Um, and their lunch hour is paid. Um, so yeah, but then again, we both know that the rates in the UK are drastically yeah. overshadowed by the American and Canadian rates, which are crazy different. Um, which I don't think people, because again, we had this conversation earlier about how like money and pay is a dirty word in this industry i mean it's kind of like a dirty word in every industry like I, i've never met anybody at all who have asked how much they earn and they've wanted to answer that question it seems like such a personal thing you're asking them but it's a yeah. job it's a job right like it, it's work it's something that isn't really attached to you but i think with a stature thing if you ask somebody like oh, how much do you earn it is it, it kind of seems like a personal invasion i, I, I don't know yeah. but everybody's I different think, i think one of the issues is that uh I think I think it filters down from the top, and a lot of studios actually don't allow you to to mention uh, how much you earn because if and it's not it's not because of their position or your position. It's because they don't want their competitors to know. Right. And the same applies if you go to an interview or if you're applying for a new job and they ask you what your uh, salary is from your previous job. Mm-hmm. It's actually not legal for them to ask you that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the the thing that uh, i've i've thankfully never been asked it or never cared to like to not say uh, mm-hmm. but if if i did i'd say sorry like my last employer uh restricts me from saying anything about that from right. letting you know uh and like 
then it's it's just a non-issue. But mm. I guess I guess maybe uh, you're not allowed to actually state it uh, publicly how much you earn. I mm. I've not really thought about that until now. Yeah, because uh, I like. I'm I'm happy talking about it, but yeah. uh, I, like I agree, a, a lot of people don't, and uh, especially when like when you work with somebody and and they don't, which I totally disagree with. There's there's a um, a company that the the CEO did a a TED talk on. Uh, it's actually if you want to search it up, it's called uh, "Buy Back Your Wednesdays for Ten Percent of Your Salary." Or if you Google that, it's um, uh, let me. Let me search it, and uh, you'll you'll see it. Because um, it was an amazing, uh, amazing talk. Uh, okay, right, I see it. Yeah, I don't think that's it. It's this older guy, but um, yeah, I've got the TED talk here just now. Yeah. Cool. Uh, how to um, run a company with almost no rules. That's the one. Right. Okay. That's one. How, so, so in in that he talks about uh, how in in their company all salaries are. Uh, transparent is there's a whole list of like database of everyone's salary mm -hmm. and when new people come on board they're not they're not asked you know how much do they want and this is what we're going to offer there isn't a bargaining there they figure out what are you uh, where, where are your skills and what level are you at and mm -hmm. here's the team that you're working with and where do you fit in within that right okay and and people like generally will fit in to where they feel socially comfortable with, you know, the guy next to them is slightly better than them. The right. guy next to them on the other side is slightly worse. And so they're like sitting in between their, their salaries. Right. Um, and there's, there's other uh, golden uh, tidbits, like how the, the CEO is, is actually voted in uh, by the group. And so are all the managers, uh, uh, being in a management role is not reflective of your salary. It's you're just voted in there by your team. Right. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, the, that whole thing is like an old whole can of worms. We'll, um, I reckon we, we should chat about that, um, in, uh, in, an, in another podcast cause we could go on for, for hours about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but something you said before, uh, I, I thought was quite interesting. Like you, you said, um, like, I'd love to see the process that Dylan Cole goes through. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that I think that th that, mentality it's rife like every everyone feels like i want to know how a cost like works and how does max berman do his stuff mm. and i totally agree that there's a tribal knowledge that gets passed down and needs to be passed down because there are some tricks and things that i know that uh like i've i've, sh I've shared through our uh, map paint academy mm. that help people like massively with like painting light or painting shadows in ways that are not just like oh multiply you just set a shadow to multiply right yeah um and that sort of stuff needs to get passed down and and that's why you see the stuff that gets posted on on uh, like art station and that and it's just phenomenal like yeah the stuff that even 10 20 years ago the stuff that's coming out now is like what the hell yeah. and and these guys are like young right oh yeah so so what the hell's going on mm -hmm. and it's because yeah like they they're learning so much quicker especially with things like youtube now mm -hmm. uh and online learning so you can really accelerate but there's a problem with a, like a lot of people who struggle who aren't naturally uh you know uh, gifted with with the drawing and the and the ideas like every everyone starts at the same 
the same point when we're yeah. born. It's just a matter of how do you develop to the point of being about six or seven mm -hmm. that shuts down in some people shuts down that creative side of their brain. Yeah. And, uh, and that's and opening that back out is really difficult. Yeah. It's just, get, it's, yeah, yeah for, for those, for those people that have that struggle, like I'm one of them. I like, I sink into this whole idea of uh, like, if I watch, if I watch somebody else do it, then he's going to give me all the little tools and tricks and ideas that I can do to be just as good as him really quickly. Yeah. And you fall into this trap of, of like repetitious tutorial watching. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't get you anywhere. Um, as I just posted in the Academy last night that mm -hmm. I've, I'm learning Premiere Pro at the moment to create some videos for SIGGRAPH. Right. And I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. And I, like, aside from, I know a lot of other Adobe software and yeah. I've used some, some video editing, Camtasia and all that. Yeah. But, but Premiere Pro is just like, what the hell? Like, why do I have to do this? And how do I rearrange this? Or like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And I watched a, a, an intro tutorial. It helped because it helped me just with a couple of initial blocks. But I think... Uh, the, the only way to really understand it is to just struggle through it and and to really struggle with the uh, with doing it yourself. Yeah. And then yeah. when you reach something that you literally cannot do, then you look specifically for that online. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where that's where working in the industry is is incredible. Uh, when I got my first job in 2015, I'd still basically use photoshop for like like exposure and then color adjustments and that's about it i'd mm. I, i'd never really done any photo bashing or, or or anything like that and then within uh like two months mm -hmm. i was i was doing uh like full 360 map paintings in, in photoshop sure they they weren't very good and they yeah. had to be like reworked by by the team uh, in conjunction with me, uh, but it was a massive amount of, of work as, as well. So, I'd, but I'd learned so much in that time, just sitting next to Damien and like and feeding off him and asking him questions every now and then. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the sort of like tribal knowledge. You just you just catch up so fast. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like that's an interesting take as well because for me, like yourself, I feel as because not a lot of people know this, but with learning, depending on how you're raised, how you interact with the world, how you work through school, how you interact with other people, everybody learns differently, right? So, like, for me, I feel like I'm more what they call a kinesthetic learner. So it's like a learn-by-doing yeah. situation. Like, somebody, you want to learn how to hit a, a nail into a, a bit of wood. So somebody would physically hold the nail, hit it with a hammer, you would watch them, then you would repeat what they do. So I've found that, for me, as it, a good way of uh, of learning. But it's it's hard to be like that in this industry because a lot of um, people who are maybe higher up or people who are, are, are industry leaders are people who are very self-motivated, self-learning people who can pick up a mm. tutorial, watch it, write, okay, I know what I'm doing now, replicate it and then pass it out where I think there's an element of people who need that person sitting next to them and then walking you through, you're doing that wrong, if you click this menu you'll find that quicker, if you hit control T that's a quicker shortcut, okay cool, um, but yes, it's super rare because 
um, everybody in, in, in this industry moves a million miles a second. Um, yeah. no, nobody wants to stand still. Nobody's got time to teach. Um, I mean, even um, you know, Steve Corman. I mean, he he posted uh, the other week that uh, I think somebody had approached him basically to uh, to teach him like you know map painting. Uh, start to finish, like you know, like being yeah, yeah. their their personal instructor, and uh, I can sympathize with the guy, like, because um, even someone like me who I have zero fucking skill compared to Steve, but I have been approached by people and been asked, um, like people who are below me, so like uh, entry level students, people at university, or people just starting out, and they will ask me similar questions. And I remember I posted something on Facebook. It was that that meme, and it was the two birds talking, and it was like. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm looking to learn uh, art. Where did I get started? And then you know the one of the birds is like, yeah, what you really need to do is, and he starts to say like fundamentals, and the guy, the other ones, the crow's like, oh yeah, man, that's cool. I don't really want to learn that shit. If you just tell me what brush you use, um, <laughs> and it, it constantly, yeah, like, it's like how how to art, how to art, and like yeah, that is that is what people. We had this conversation at uh, IMAG in Paris, and a couple of the guys were talking about how you look like you were saying you open art station, and there's so much phenomenal work on the front page but then one of the guys uh sick brush shout out to christian um he was talking about how yeah that the art is cool but the design aspect of things is going down where people are are neglecting the fundamentals of like proportion perspective um strong line artwork strong design skills to make things just look pretty and that's that's the trade-off now like you get a lot of people who will make things in art station look super pretty but like functional you know function over form it, it's not there and it's not a, a functional piece to be put into a game or a movie because then like you know when you break stuff down for games it's orthographics it's it's, it's three quarter turns it's stuff that you can mm-hmm. use the model um and yeah i think it's the same with map paint like people want to jump into like dylan cole make pretty pictures look cool and you know how does photoshop's light work how does light bounce off these things to make it look like it's lit properly how do you you clear the mats properly so that you don't get lines in between so that your your clone brush isn't making loads of smudges or uh, replications and you know that's the stuff you need to learn before you jump into and and i take have you found this in map paint academy of have you had a kind of small group of people where they've they've kind of wanted to jump in the deep end and and you know jump straight in the nuke and make something really cool um yeah it's uh (sighs) I, yeah, I do. I do see that quite often as people wanting to take, uh, just go straight for the massive hero shop map paintings. Yeah, uh, and like I, I get that because you map paintings get uh, we get inspired by map paintings you see in film, and they are massive hero shots. It's the hero shots really make you like go wow yeah. when there's some crazy, uh, like unreal completely out of this world environment but it looks photorealistic yeah. it just that's what really inspired me and it was yeah what inspires a lot of matte painters so yeah. when you get started that's that's your goal and it's literally like like imagine starting golf but the only reason you started golf was because you were inspired about all the people hitting holes in one yeah that that is that is the epitome of starting map painting yeah. because you're going to start with macaroni art and yeah. you're going to slowly progress over years and years and years and it's not like my the work that I do I don't find it very uh very photorealistic for the for the most part and I feel like when when I see somebody else who's like 
Damien, who's been working for 22 years in the industry, and I just see something he does in like four hours that would take me five days and wouldn't even be near. <laughs> uh, and and he uses a mouse. Uh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> uh, his hell. dexterity with a mouse is just <laughs> Jesus um, Whip. So it's uh it's you're you're shooting for the stars straight out with map painting so i get the desire to to dive into the deep end and create something amazing yeah uh the problem is uh just like going on art station and seeing all the amazing work mm-hmm. you you get uninspired and totally demotivated by the failures that you create and when you go on art station it's even worse because you see somebody's amazing artwork mm-hmm. and but the thing is you, you see hundreds of them faint front page yeah and you immediately feel like well i'm never gonna go do that yeah and and you just don't even try and as uh as somebody who came into this industry from a a gaming like entertainment fanatic point of view yeah uh i it's, it's, I think it's made even worse. Like if I was a, a book reader or a, a something else, mm. uh, the, the problem, then it would be not quite as bad. The problem with gaming is that it's all designed to give you like, um, sped up uh, rewards. Right? It's Everything the dopamine, right? The like, dopamine releases. Is, yeah, yeah, and it's like you can, you can jump in a game and it's like, like – Take like I don't know Diablo three or something yeah. where you you start hacking at something and oh boom you've leveled up and you're getting all this like flashy awesome sounds and you get points to spend and you get money and it's all happening within minutes mm-hmm. and so when when you go to art station you see all this work you know how long some of those some of those things that you just see there that look like amazing amazing artworks sometimes they are being worked on for months oh yeah and and then they're posted there and that that's the thing that that you just don't realize until you're at that level and when you're starting out you see all these hundreds being posted at the time um and it's really demotivating um yeah. but and and that's why with the map paint academy so actually we should we should probably step back and explain that the um to those who are listening, the Map Paint Academy is just a Facebook group that's pri- a private Facebook group uh, of uh, people who are subscribed to MapPaint.com, which is a, a resource uh, images resource site for map painters. And so, if you subscribe there, you get access to the academy, and it's uh, a place where I uh, most mostly me because the the other guys who are uh, meant to be posting have been too busy. Mm-hmm. But I share like insights and videos and tips and tricks, and we do challenges, uh, sometimes some one-on-one uh, sessions. At the moment, I've been uh, really busy prepping for SIGGRAPH, so I just haven't had time to do much. But yeah. that's, that's what it is, um, and uh, that's how Gordon and I started uh, talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, uh, in that, the... the my focus with the academy is not to teach you how to do all that artistic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we we cover it, but the th- the thing is, it's not going to get you a job. Yeah, it's going to take you years to to level up to that to that level mm-hmm. uh, that that you're desiring to get to. Yeah, and there is a there's a hundred other places the internet that you can find out from like learn squared free youtube stuff you can buy books you can 
I don't know, kid bash. Like you can watch live streams. There's so many ways that you can learn how to be a great artist. But yeah, the number one thing that is uh, like the, the market is saturated with those, with that content. Yeah. So if you want to be a great artist, watch that content and do the hard yards and paint and yeah. do whatever, whatever photo bash or do your modeling, whatever it happens to be, you mm. just have to do it. Yeah. And you have to do it regularly with, with a goal. Mm. Uh, if you're just like, Oh, I'm just going to sit down and just paint or just going to do some sketches of nothing. Like you've got to go, okay, today I'm going to do faces and I'm going to try and do three quarter angle faces. And I'm going to do a multiple of them. I'm going to do six and I'm going to try and uh, copy this style. And if mm. you do that, and if you do a different thing of that, that kind of thing every day for six months, you will be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a great video by uh, Andrew Price. Uh, he spoke at one of the Blender conferences. Um, and uh, see if I he talks about uh, the seven habits of highly effective artists. And so if you oh, Google yeah. that, you you would have seen it. It's it's brilliant. I actually went. Um, Andrew and I were in the same military unit. Uh, wow. Ten ten years ago, and uh, and we both we both went through training around the same time and both left around the same time and he sort of went we we lost touch of each other and he went to the doing the blender guru stuff mm -hmm. and i went into you know the film side yeah um but that video is phenomenal in terms of like where you can go in six months and for those who haven't uh watched it he goes from uh from stick figure drawing mm -hmm. to amazing character work yeah uh, and it's just in six months and it's i think he only did like an hour or two a day yeah. and he's not an artistic guy either yeah uh, I, I know his that's why he's gravitated towards uh blender because he's a very technical guy yeah um anyway so the if you want to become a great artist you do that but yeah. if you want to get into the industry, mm -hmm. whatever games industry, the film industry, whatever industry you want, you want to get a job. Mm -hmm. It's a different. It's you can go that route, but if it's not your natural, uh, your natural process, mm -hmm. and I, I suspect that if, if if people are still listening at this point, they're probably not the, the next Picasso. Mm -hmm. uh, they so if it's not, then you want to focus on getting good at the stuff that gets people hired. Yeah. And so that in, uh, in our academy, that's why we focus on cleaning up, like plate cleanup mm -hmm. to an advanced level, right? So we're not just talking about like, oh, remove this here spot. And mm -hmm. um, we're talking about like rebuilding stuff that's behind a fence yeah. and, uh, and, and, and replacing skies and, and like spot removal is just part of that. Yeah. Uh, and then, like very small map painting patches, learning the software like Nuke and Photoshop, mm -hmm. and any other software like Shotgun, which is a, a production software used in the industry. If if you can understand all that, and because that's what you're going to be doing for like six months as a as a junior. Um, when I started, my first two weeks, I was literally just grabbing clouds from the internet putting them in Photoshop, keying them out and saving them as little, um, you know, TIFF with uh, alphas. So we had a little library of clouds that we could just drag and drop. Yeah. 
and and that was because uh, it, it only took me two weeks because I got through quite quick. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, supervisor was like, okay, well, you're doing pretty good with that. Let's, let's get you something a bit more substantial. So he gave yeah. me something else I can't remember. Uh, but you're not going to be doing the hero shots. That's the point. Uh, yeah. You're going to be working on tiny little CG patches, play cleanup, or even just supporting other artists by finding reference. And it's... So it's fine not to be uh, an amazing artist. However, it's good to have the the balance you, because if you're competing with somebody else who's really good technically and really good with the basics, but he also has amazing map paintings, well, they're going to get the job. Yeah, because yeah. they they've they've demonstrated their their ability to move up. Um, the but the there's other things like your your resume that we focus on in the academy and uh, your interviewing skills. Yeah. Um, so far, I've done uh, two mock interviews, and mm-hmm. I'm doing a third one with Stefan uh, now. Cool. Uh, that'll be next weekend. So, uh, and of the, so Ian was the first mock interview that I did, and I helped him with improving his, uh, his presentation. I told him, like, these are the sorts of questions that interviewers will ask, and these are the sorts of things that from my experience should should be similar to what you should be answering right um, and the because the thing is if you get to the interview stage the chances are you're in the top bucket of yeah. of people and they're looking for somebody if uh, that they can work with and that they like so this is this is a core problem with uh with people who are trying to get into the industry is that so many of them come off as desperate desperate girlfriend sort of meme thing where yeah. like what is that overly attached girlfriend where, yeah and um i'll work from i'll work 10 hours and uh, i'll do anything to get in <laughs> like it, it's just it's just so it's just such a turn off and i actually have an email from my from me mm. to um to the same recruiter that recruited me for the current studio I'm at now, but it was six years ago for a, he was at a different studio. Man, is it so cringeworthy? (laughs) Cause I just, I think I just left. It was actually for Elysium. So I think it was 2010, 2012 or something. Yeah. Um, Just been out of university and it was actually for a senior uh, map painter. Mm -hmm. And, and man, like looking back at it now, I'm like, senior map painter what a joke um <laughs> because i hadn't done any map painting yeah uh, i'd done environment work but my my email was like four pages long about the reasons why you should hire me kind of thing okay. and now nowadays it's like three lines it's like you know yes i'm interested um this is what i would come on for and you know how long would the project be kind of thing Very um, much but the, the point is, if you're trying to get into the industry, you need to be uh, likable. And that is not always the case with everyone. Mm. And uh, some, some people just, some people are likable people, but only when you get to know them. And that's not good enough because it's, it's a risk that the studio is just not going to take if they, can, if they don't have to take that risk yeah uh so so the the mock interviews i find is a really great way of um 
of practicing because this again this comes back to just doing it right yeah. you just like you have to just paint to get better uh there's a, like a tangibility to it that if you don't do it you're just not good at it and in a mock interview it's a super uh, uh safe place to discuss and and explore different ways to uh to engage with somebody in a, you know, fake interview sense. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of go back after immediately afterwards and we talk about, okay, what did you say? Uh, how could you improve? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and, and so on. Yeah. And I find that most people, uh, as they get uh, through the mock interviews, they get more relaxed and become themselves. Yeah. And, and that's, that is absolutely key. Yeah. And I think it's, <sighs> It's interesting as well, we had this conversation and, and uh, again, completely out of context, but this is not a, an attack on, on concept artists, obviously, because concept artists are, are you know, a trained and, and skilled uh, set of guys that do amazing work, but we kind of talked about when I was approaching the idea of working as a matte painter, that, like, everybody wants to be a concept artist now, it's, it's almost a... A thing that people automatically as soon as they become artists are like I want to do concept art um, and then you know on top of that I, I would say that and this obviously comes from uh, one of the guys Spurden and, and he kind of convinced me about this um, as we were talking about iMag but he was saying that the, the concept artists a concept art, artist isn't a thing what people are are concept designers or what they should be as concept designers mm -hmm. um, but then like because the map painting stuff can be more technical and slightly more tedious because of the, the tasks you're accomplishing um less people want to go into that field directly um it's more a thing where um you know people will have a, an avenue of doing a specific skill set and work into that job but most people who are artists will want to go into do um uh concept design um and then obviously like 3d as well is very underappreciated you know the, there is a, a, obviously a lot of great 3d uh, artists out there but Again, it's one thing that people don't see it as if you're artistic, you know, 3D is almost like as a counterpart of, of concept design that people use it for mock-ups, but um, really good 3D artists um, are rare because it, it's an industry not a ton of people want to go into either, so mm. yeah, it's, it's a thing with Matt, like you said, if you're going to do it, then there is probably more opportunity in that field um, because it's such a niche skill set. Yeah, concept concept artists are the, they're the they're the glory positions. The the people that if you're a concept artist, especially in a visual effects studio, because there are even fewer of those jobs. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the number of concept artists you see on ArtStation, there's mm. probably one or one to five percent of those are actual concept artists in yeah. in a full time position, uh, because there's just not all that many jobs. Because you. As a concept artist, the point is to uh, bash out really, um, you, you have to get the vision of what the director or whoever the producer is, is telling you they want. Mm -hmm. You have to achieve that vision with the least amount of brushstrokes. Yeah. So, and yeah. That's, well, that's what makes a good uh, concept artist. Yeah. So you can have one concept artist in, in a studio of 100 people mm -hmm. and have no problems. Yeah. Uh, but because it is that like a glorified uh position a lot of as you said a lot of people want to uh to get into it mm. 
Um, but that means that you're also going to be paid a lot less than uh, yeah. than other other roles because it, it's it's like a probably anywhere from twenty five to thirty five percent less than than a matte painting role. Yeah, um, and it's because there's just so many of them, and and they can find a good one uh, wherever they they look really. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and matte painters are the opposite where uh, they they are quite hard to find. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. really good ones. I mean, like, even the guys I have met who have worked in studios, um, a lot of the guys I've seen who are getting work are, are people who really have to be sitting in the top 15%. And whereas with Matt and 3D, I mean, I, I'm generalising here, I, I, I don't know as much, but I have noticed that, yeah, there is only maybe a handful of guys I know who are concept artists who get regular work or do things external from projects. And then when I was at uh, IMAG, we had an interview where we were watching a talk from Raphael Lacoste and I asked him how many 2D artists work within the Assassin's Creed team and he was saying you know the whole world probably like a hundred people a hundred people over like five studios across the entire world is yeah. not a lot of jobs that is you know and I think 10 of them are in like Canada so yeah it's like it's such a niche hard to find small minority job that you will get full time yeah. and yeah whereas you work in movies you need a large team because your turnover so quick for pumping out shots um you need technical guys like map painters like modelers new guys um yeah. by the dozen almost yeah the yeah the games the games turn around the production pipeline is a lot longer it is shortening uh slowly yeah. it used to be like five years and that's now maybe two to three years yeah uh but it's it's going to be much harder to get into that than than film uh, i would yeah. say especially with all the tv shows that are out now yeah things like um arrow and and was it um uh, jessica jones and you know yeah. all of those where they have they have visual effects quite quite heavy in some of them yeah uh, and and those are actually soaking up a lot of artists because studios that take on those tv sh series they can do one season of that and it pays for the the whole team for a year wow so or, or maybe like that might not always be the case but they might have to take on two different tv shows but yeah. that pays for the team right yeah. so so those artists are really happy to just sit there and just do those those jobs and they're quite efficient because once you've got the first season done you know what the effects and what the environments are going to look like and you can reuse a lot of uh, a lot of assets yeah um so there's a lot there's a lot more jobs in that uh in that area yeah yeah and it, which is good for, i suppose for an influx of people who want to work in film that there is an opportunity to you know it's like it's not an impossible dream where i feel like concept is as like you said it's moving towards the idea of you have to be so talented before you even get an interview like for people who you know would get an an interview at Access or an interview at, um, say Ubisoft, for example. Um, I mean, like even when I spoke to again, go back to Raphael when we had the, the 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 talk and he was taking questions. One of the questions I asked him, which was this, which led to talking about how many people he had. He was saying, I said to him, "What do you look for in junior artists? What do you look for in people that were want to come in and, and join the franchise?" And he was like, "We don't really look for juniors anymore. We specifically look for seniors." because we try to keep the bar high on the franchise and um you can understand yeah. that because it's such a big 
moneymaker for Ubisoft. They only want the best. It's the same way Axis. When they have a short turnaround for a project, they actively seek out um, mostly senior positions because they need to have people come in um, like Steve, you know, he was recently at Axis and, you know, he will come in and, and pump out a couple of mats um, or scenes um, really quickly for the, the project he's working on and then and move on to the next studio. But that's because, yeah, the turnovers are short for like, you know, trailers mostly are done in six months, um, just, you know, six to eight months. And then, you know, you, you can't afford to have a junior on a project like that because um, unless they're exceptionally talented, you know, it's almost yeah. like costing yeah. you money to teach them to take time out to correct their work. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, in some studios and visual effects work that way as well. But and then there's there's sort of two approaches where you you hire just a small group of seniors, or you go like the NPC route where they hire just a couple of seniors and basically all juniors mm. and uh and that and that way it's because it, you, you save a lot of money hiring the juniors and then you just keep the the seniors are there to like um to uh to babysit the you know yeah the juniors um, the juniors yeah um but uh yeah it's certainly not it's not easy to get into any of the um the industries in art, in art and i think realistically a lot of people are just never going to make it yeah uh, because not because of a lack of skill or lack of desire or lack of discipline mm. there just simply is not enough jobs for the number of people that want to work in it yeah uh, and and that's the case with all desire like you, you know there's not enough jobs for uh, people who want to become astronauts but yeah yeah that's the case. I feel like people are more butthurt about art, not not getting an art job mm. uh, than, than those who are like, oh, you know, I didn't I didn't become a jet fighter pilot because somebody else did. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe because of the physicality of it, whereas art's like, oh, you know, I, if I just become an amazing artist at home, I'll get a job. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I think uh, a lot of a lot of artists who are really good. Uh, who are not like they if they don't get a job it's usually because they're just not good at the business side yeah and I'll be the first to admit in my in my approach I've been way better at my business side than I have been at my artistic side yeah um, and and just in terms of the art side I just make sure that I'm quicker than everyone else yeah I don't, I don't do I, I don't do the best work uh, because like my capacity is not the same level as them yeah it's improving yeah um and i'm a i'm a senior so obviously for for a lot of the mids and juniors i do do better work but if if we compare them in a few years uh in like five years down the track when they are seniors they'll be freaking miles miles better than me yeah um but but i will always be faster in in the technical side because that's where i'm like if if you want to if you want to hold on to to what you have in the industry you've have something that you're like this is my thing right yeah if, if you need like i did on uh on power rangers mm -hmm. i did 272 shots wow. in one nuke script wow uh, and that was because i knew how to how to set that up and that was with one we had one major match uh like map painting for it and uh uh, and I piped it all through this one nuke script, and I knew how to how to farm it out, and just 
do all of my, all at once. Wow. Um, and I did the same thing in my first studio. That was when I kind of learned that I was good at uh, good at Nuke. And so now, whenever whenever they have a massive sequence that needs to be done, they're like Conrad. Um, like this week, I did. Uh, I took over uh, eight shots from another artist uh, who. So we were, we we're doing uh, Comic Con. Um, delivery that's comic cons this this coming weekend uh for lego 2 right. so we had a bunch of stuff that we had to have to finish and mm. I, I took over eight of her shots and did them in four hours mm. and she'd been working on one of them for two days yeah uh, and it was just it wasn't even it wasn't even that like her work looked better than mine mm. but it was more of a technical thing where it's like 360 degree uh, patch that mm. could be done for all of them at once and she was doing like one at a time and she mm. only got through one um, so whenever there's a sequence they give it to me but whenever there's something more artistic it'll go to someone else and that's completely fine yeah yeah and and that's just the, the way the industry and then I feel like because um, I, I don't know how we're doing for time but obviously we're an hour in but I was wanting to just kind of permutate that um, it's not all doom and gloom don't get disheartened like you know i just i was literally just going to talk about ian um who mm. who has you know for the past three or four months um grinded um learning map painting and learning stuff from you guys at the academy and he just landed a job at um frame store doing work yeah. for them as a junior um and he has said that you know he's been doing shots that people have been saying have been quicker than people that were came before him so, like, there is hope, like, you know, and like Ian was saying, he's not doing anything magical, there's no secret formula, he was literally just sitting at his desk for 14 hours a day, yeah. grinding. He, he's, he is one of those people that's a machine, for, uh, but he's not, uh, and I encourage everyone to actually just search his name, Ian Vicnair. Uh, on ArtStation. Yeah, I'll put and, a link below in the, the description so you can get these before yeah. in ArtStation. And, and and his uh, like his early stuff in like October, uh, September, October last year when I first uh, bumped into him mm-hmm. uh, was like he's really good at design work, things like um, like business cards and flyers and things like that. But his yeah. his map painting work was like higgledy piggledy, like jigsaw cutout. It didn't feel good or look or look that great. Yeah. But man, in six months. Because he was just pumping out stuff all the time, and mm-hmm. and he was like annoyingly, uh, like re- like requesting like all these like feedback and things. But it, it he kind of like rode that line where he was like just slightly past like too much, yeah, uh, but not enough for me to be like, oi, go away, I don't, don't <laughs> want to talk to you. Um, and and obviously from from my uh, position, like I like helping people. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started the academy. Um, yeah, but his. Uh, his improvement over six months is it shows just how far fast you can get there. Yeah. But the problem, uh, the problem is that most people just uh, like like me, you know, I could probably could have got into a, a film position in, in inside a year as well um, had I just sat down and done it. Uh, yeah. But it's I I don't know what to say about that, like because <laughs> I I can't say just do it because I know that everyone like you'll wake up one morning you'll be like yeah yeah i'm good to go like you've listened to the latest anthony robbins po- like podcast and you're like yeah all right <laughs> um or you've you know you've just come back from like landmark or some yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Something. 
uh, and and you're you're geared to go, but then it, it wears off, and you just yeah. go back to your normal state of being. Yeah. Um. I I think in that respect, what I've learned is is you do little things that you got to change something just little by little, um, and until the you'll always feel like it's a slight struggle. But then if you keep adding on, like say you start with half an hour of, of, of painting in a day and then the next day you're like, okay, I'll do half an hour again and then uh, I'll do 45 minutes on the third day yeah. for two days and then yeah. an hour. And then all of a sudden that first half hour becomes like just easy. You're like, yeah, cool. It's just half an hour. Yeah. The next half hour is a struggle. Mm. But then, you know, after another two weeks, you're doing three hours and the first two hours are easy because you've, you've become acclimatized to it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a little and often fact where people like I mean I, I just watched the, the talk that happened last October with Vitaly Burgeroff who does amazing 3D stuff like he's building mechs in Korea it's crazy but he done a whole 10 minute segment I'll try maybe even link the talk down below where um, he, was, he was at No Man's School of Art and they were asking him you know what about people you meet who are like oh yeah if you just motivate this guy he would be such a good worker but yeah he lacks motivation and motivation and Vitaly was like motivation isn't what keeps you going it's it's what sometimes gets you through harder times but this industry like everything is a job and you will have good days and bad days there will be days obviously you don't want to get up and do stuff there'll be days when you do and the thing is on those days you don't you still have to get up and try and do something because you're tricking your brain into thinking that you're working and that you're still being productive because if you go a day without working then it turns into two days which turns into four turns into a week turns into a month and yeah. you have to keep a consistency in your life because then that's what breeds the work habit it's like when people go back to school after years like if they go back to university or college later in life they find it a lot harder than the younger kids sure that's not because kids learn things faster or people who are older can't learn things it's because kids are came straight out of school high school usually um where you know they're learning things every single day because they're in school they're forced to go there 95 so for a, an adult who hasn't really you know kicked in his brain to learning mode in years it is so much harder because you're not used to studying you're not used to putting your brain into that mode and that's what he was saying you need to be doing things every single day yeah. and that will eventually breed a learning habit that will help you learn um yeah, so yeah i think uh i think one one approach you could take is uh is is doing this sort of like nine to three or ten to four or something like that don't yeah. make it like a nine hour day but yeah. if you just treat that as like in i am not if you have two different uh two different machines that's even better or if you have a place to go that has no like no distractions on Way it should you. Other things. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if you have that where you've got a you've got a place and there's no there's no like computer games there's no movies or Maybe there is because you can watch a movie and work. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's no like distractions for you. Then you just go there from ten to four every day for five, like five days a week. Yep. And you treat it like your job. Yep. And you don't sign into Facebook and you don't like you don't have anything to stimulate you that's that's a distraction. Yep. Um, except for maybe your phone because your phone uh, is a tangible distraction where like you know that you're on something else. Whereas you can scroll through Facebook for like an hour and and not really like realize it. Um, or same with like YouTube and that. Uh, so if you if you did that for like a month and you just tried to find one thing every day that you were like improving on and then look back at that month 
uh, and and see if you're happy with the progress you made. Yeah, I think the thing is that that's gonna that's gonna have like a reoccurring, a reinforcing effect on your your motivation. You'll see how far you went in a month, and you'll be like, "Whoa, that was shit!" Yeah, and this is awesome. And uh, and then after another month, you'll be like, "Whoa, no, that was shit, and this is awesome." Yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden, you're like, you're you're up in the trending areas of art station got a job i've done that once (laughs) (laughs) i haven't done it (laughs) no but that's the thing is like as well as that i feel that needs to be said as well when you talk about making these decisions and and, and studying day to day be very specific about what you learn because i have fell into the trap very early on when i got into the industry well i mean like i only really decided i wanted to do this properly three years ago and for three years i was learning so many different things like i was learning 3d i was learning 2d i was learning concept art i was learning substance painter i was like yeah you just because there's so much right you tend to just just learn something new every day but then like when i was talking to one of my well a guy who's now kind of mentoring me like he was saying the best way to approach every task is to be super specific about what you learn so like if you're going to learn matte painting and Photoshop, so it's even just like starting with just Photoshop, like learn the in and outs of that program to death and just get good at that one thing before yeah. you move on to something else. Because if you learn Photoshop on the Monday, then you jump into Nuke on Tuesday, you're like coming back to Photoshop maybe Wednesday, Thursday, you're like, oh, fuck, what did I learn again? Like it totally yeah. goes at your memory. So yeah, like try and be specific in what you're wanting to accomplish. Like Corner was saying, like doing faces, like three quarter turns, like if you're going to learn drawing faces, then do faces for like a week. Like, make sure you're nailing that into your head as much as you can, because repetition breeds familiarity, and it's the same with Photoshop. You know, if you want to learn how to do matte, yeah, just focus on the Photoshop toolset for as long as you can before you move on. Yeah, yeah, it's just directed learning, yeah. and I th- I think that that Andrew Price uh, video is the Seven Habits uh, is it it really encapsulates how how effective that can be when you yep. when you take that approach and uh and in a in a real world that you don't get very often yep so i definitely encourage anyone who's like struggling to really get going to to do that and then just you know you know how people uh just as a last thing because we should probably uh wrap this up again yeah, yeah, yeah. you know how you know some people are like oh print up something on the wall and like have your motivational just have one thing that you you print and you put up and you it can change as as you go but you the 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 key to it is that you don't just put a sticky note on your monitor and that that's sitting there you actually have to look at it and acknowledge it every day yeah. because if you don't it becomes part of the part of the furniture and you you ignore it you forget uh that it's even there Yep. So if you just if you have something like you know seven habits or whatever you uh, you write down like just you might write like today I'm going to uh, like today do some directed learning or something like that. Yeah. And you, and you just read that and you think, okay, what am I actually going to do about this? Like these words. Yeah. Um, that that can really help to keep you on track because otherwise you just like you just slip straight back into the old ways. Yeah, and and I think it was one of the best ones I ever saw was just a poster that says, like, when you look up at it, it's like, get the fuck back to work. And you're like, okay, yeah, that that's fair enough. I understand what you're saying there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's one of the best things. But it is, um, a lot of this sounds simple, but me and Connor both understand that, um, yeah, it can be super hard to find 
proper motivation, um, proper things where you're like, yeah, I want to get up and do things today. So, um, yeah, just take it a day at a time and don't, like, seriously, don't beat yourself up. Um, if you're looking at other artists and uh, you're thinking that you're not as good or not as far as they can be because, you know, they've put in the time already, um, you're never going to be catching up with somebody fast enough. And, and Vitaly also said a good thing where people, if you if you emulate somebody that closely, um, by the time you get to their skill set, you'll probably find that maybe the, the industry doesn't actually need that skill set and you've worked towards that guy's, you know, skill set for, for no real reward. You've you become a carbon copy, sure, but that, you know, his, his style or his approach or his software usage isn't needed anymore. You need to become yeah. a better version of yourself, not of another person. So, um, yeah. yeah, like Dylan Cole's a good guy I admire, but don't, like, try to set out to be Dylan... You know, because yeah, Dylan's Dylan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and if, uh, like, I encourage everyone to to join the Map Paint user group on Facebook, which is a public, the public group. And uh, and feel free to, like, email me uh, through any of the avenues you can find. Um, yeah. Just go to mappaint.com and just go to the contact area and you'll you'll reach me. Yeah. Um, because I'm always happy to to give advice to people who you know at various stages and and guide them in in what I think might might be a good uh, avenue for them to go down. Definitely, I mean, speaking from personal experience, I know Conrad um, and the guys have, have definitely helped me so far. And um, yeah, like I'll, I'll put all the links below. I'll put the Map Paint Academy. I'll put the Facebook group. I'll put all the the links that need. And I'll I'll, I'll obviously include Conrad's email so you guys can get in touch. Um, but yeah, um, we're, we're going to do, I think the plan is to do a second episode where I think we're going to focus more on the academy um, and we'll probably find some other talking points. Like we, we know we want to talk about um, salary, a kind of typical day as a junior, um, stuff like that. So yeah, there's, there's a broad spectrum of stuff to cover. Conrad will yeah. be back on again. Um, and if, if anyone has any like questions or suggestions, um, we can answer them and, and cover the suggestions. Yeah. like that would be a really good way like you know we can actually answer stuff that you guys want to um want to know the answers to yeah and ian for god's sake don't post a comment asking a question <laughs> <laughs> we know you we know oh. you've got them just just fucking messages on facebook <laughs> uh, no seriously man like we, we did some bit uh ian ian's a cool good dude he's he's a super hard worker and he totally deserves yeah. his opportunities he's, he's really worked fucking hard for it so yeah um He's an example, actually. That's why I've actually got him mentoring me at the moment because, yeah, Ian's uh, an inspirational guy. He's been helping me a lot, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So, just, yeah, done. Just need to thank Conrad for coming on and giving up your time. I know you're a busy guy. No um, and, uh, and, yeah, like I said, leave some comments if you guys want to ask him a question. Or it doesn't have to maybe even be Matt-specific, maybe just about the, the film industry in general. I'm sure you'll be able to find out uh, an answer if, if you can't ask somebody he knows um and yeah sure we'll we'll get them back on we'll do a kind of part two uh we might even do a little series on the map paint academy and, and maybe uh when you've got some releases coming up or something you want to promote we can we can get involved here and and, and push it out to the the audience um nearly a thousand subscribers so close i think we're at 965 or something like oh, that so, nice. oh no like oh god man like it's taken me like a year and a half but like yeah i'm, I'm, I'm hoping we hit a thousand soon because i've been told from then it starts to like kind of like roll yeah, down the hill like, like it naturally like, expand yeah so um yeah so 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 that's that's really interesting it's taken you a year and a half to get from nothing to a th subscribe and yeah that, 
is that is uh, encapsulating exactly the, the the sort of approach you need to take for for the artist side. Is it it's going to happen overnight? And the yeah. best like the best podcast uh, presenters and the YouTube celebrities and all that they they do it takes them like three years to get to like fifty thousand uh subscribers oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like poof, they're like at 300 and like, obviously you've still got to have good content but yeah. um yeah uh, so a thousand subscribers is awesome yeah man and like it's the same when people talk about like getting opportunities to work career essence games and stuff like that like it literally is just me being a stubborn dick and like not giving up you, you stay on the, the path long enough something will happen like i mean it might take you two years it may take you three but um yeah i know people who just got their first magic the gathering gig like painting for them but they've been like i've known them for like six seven years and yeah they were like painting daily for years before like magic even looked their way so i mean it does take a while yeah um so yeah as i think that's the whole thing of this encapsulate it's not just matte painting but the whole industry is that these skill sets take years to develop um and it, it, it can be i think that's what throws me a lot of times as well because i'm in my 30s where like a lot of kids like you see are younger and they're doing it quicker so I feel like I've got to catch up, but yeah, it does take a while. Um, and if you look to some of my paintings, feel like, or even just paintings from a couple of years ago, yeah, I, I definitely, mm. I definitely see night and day. Um, even my Star Wars piece of them recently, like, yeah, I oh, yeah, I've, like I've seen a massive movement. And I'm after you've done like of these, I want to actually sit down with you and and go through each of them. I'll get you to send them to me, and I'll show you some tricks of how you each one of them yeah um and and we'll talk about like the things that are letting them down cool. um because because what you might have is like certain things that that are like lagging behind the rest that are yeah. holding up process back um so we'll go over that nice nice man cool uh we could even maybe even do a live critique at one point as well that might even be a thing Conrad. we can maybe get some stuff for people maybe yeah. critique you could look through stuff you know, maybe a thing. we could yeah, talk about that Cool, yeah. okay, right, I'll let Conrad go because he's busy as feck. But yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. Uh, keep stay to the, the, the YouTube side of it. If you're watching, give us a like and a comment. Uh, subscribe, obviously, and then iTunes. We always look for good positive reviews on the five-star ratio. And uh, subscribe to that as well. And yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks very much, Conrad, and goodbye.